Nightmerica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica. And please tell your friends about us. Welcome to Nightmerica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because, to paraphrase Ray Parker Jr., whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhoods. Episode 13, Castles of Curiosity and Killing. Ha, 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 ha. Or maybe that should be mwa, ha, 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 ha. Like, uh, what's the Count from Sesame Street? That kind of sounded like him. Just the Count. That's his name. Oh. Count Count Von Count. He would, <laughs> yeah. That actually goes back to old folklore with vampires that people, that one of the things that they were afraid of, that vampires could be distracted by, was by counting things. That what? One, really? Yeah. Yeah, you could like throw like a bunch of pebbles on the ground and then the vampire would be so obsessed with counting that he would have to have to sit down and count them and then get away. So, uh, which also... Oh my God, is that where they got it from for Sesame Street? That's why the count, yeah, count upon count. And, but it sounds like he just has undiagnosed uh, obsessive compulsive uh, disorder that perhaps <laughs> he needs to, you know, get checked out but yeah that's I one way to hated stop the count as a child that was definitely my least favorite sesame street character oh i loved the count when i was a kid i had a a muppet but he had a voice box inside that you would pull back the thing and it would be like one one computer da, 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 da. That, but i like hate math so i feel like that's where it stemmed from and then flasico flamingo what was his deal i don't know that one I, oh, which I it must be later Sesame one. Street. The Count also had a monocle and a cape and a uh, a soul patch. So as far as cool characters, I was on board with it. He was a great toy too, a great doll. Why haven't you shaved a soul patch during quarantine? Because I would look like a big dum dum with a soul patch. <laughs> but and I'm filming episodes of paranormal caught on camera still even though remotely so i have to look pretty much how i look normally so as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Anyhow, uh, hey guys, I'm Aaron. Uh, <laughs> you probably should have picked up on that several minutes into this podcast, two minutes into this. And 
Uh, I am one half of the co-hosting duo of Nightmarica, and I'm joined by Britt. Britt, hello, everybody. So this is the ongoing uh, curiosity of your introductions. If I (laughs) don't say your name, you don't say it. If I build up to your name, you don't say it. But then when I do say your name, you repeat it. <laughs> yep, I'm just going to drive the drive the point home. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brit, Brit. Um, well, uh, before we get into this, first, the news. Let's talk a little bit about the worldwide weird of news going on this week. What What did you discover in your internet travels that you found notable and odd. I'm so excited for my weird news because I truly think this weird news was made for this segment of the podcast. Like I think this happened for us. So in California, the Huffington Post reported that Daniel Olster, he's a real estate agent, and he needed to sell a $1 million home five bedroom, three bath in the Santa Cruz mountains, truly a gorgeous home that probably could sell itself. However, he decided to invest in a $250 Sasquatch costume and posed himself around the house, like to take pictures for their Zillow account to sell it. He does yoga in one room. He bakes cookies. He's like gardening These pictures are amazing. I'll post them to the Instagram. It's awesome. The Zillow page got 400,000 views in like no time and a bunch of offers over asking price. So I I saw that. That is, that was a great bit. It was very whimsical. I like whimsy. And uh, I do wonder, did he specify whether or not he already had the Sasquatch outfit or if he purchased it for the He purchased it for this. It looked like a pretty good Sasquatch outfit as far as... I mean, as... it was 250 bucks. so... Uh, see, that's not an expensive Squatch costume. I don't know. I feel like if we just let your hair keep growing, we could do it without investing the 250 and maybe we get a 400,000 views on our Instagram page. I'll work on that. I don't <laughs> think I'm close to Squatch level. Well... I mean, my... listen, I could. I've had laser hair removal, but, you know, still, <laughs> stuff still comes out. <laughs> Mine is also whimsical, so I like that we both went in this direction. This comes from Nine News in Colorado. Colorado Eatery fills tables with ghosts to help it feel less empty. This story is, of course, this was this is during the time of of restaurants being able to only serve delivery or takeout and not have people actually sitting in during to during the pandemic quarantine time. So this location Sputnik is the name of of the uh, the eatery went ahead and filled their empty tables and their bar area with ghosts or at least sheets with eye holes cut out. So one of these ghosts sits at the bar every day and reads a few more enjoy drinks in a nearby booth and for the owners of the restaurant the people that are working there during this time they said it actually feels nice to have uh, not people but people 
in the bar, a presence, I suppose, in the restaurant and bar. And what they're going to do is even following this, when the restaurant is able to accept diners inside, but they will be socially distant, they're going to use the ghosts as a way to maintain that social distance. So that's that's uh, that'll be populated by ghosts and humans at Sputnik in Colorado. I'm I want to go check it out. And honestly, I, I want to go to check it out too. Do we know what book the ghost is reading? Probably the handbook for the recently departed is is my guess. Or <laughs> it could be a Christmas Carol. Or mm, Christmas Carol is an ghosts. excellent choice. But all I know is that whatever it's reading, it's probably enjoying some nice spirits or <laughs> booze. Booze. A so, room with a boo. Room with a boo. That's room with lots of booze in this case. Yeah. And that's for any diehard listeners of this podcast. That's a that's a throwback. That's a callback to a previous episode. So, so those are our weird news. Before we get into the topic of the day, let's get a word from one of our sponsors. So, Britt, if you think things have been bad during quarantine and pandemic time, just think about it. It could be worse. And if you don't believe me, I think you believe me, but if anybody listening do believe, doesn't yeah. believe me, check out Dead Run. It's a new sci-fi thriller from author Mike Maddox. A mysterious force is taking control of people's bodies, making them run to stay alive. If you can't keep running, you blow up like spaghetti left in the microwave too long. And that's messy. That's a lot of cleanup to do. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, that's just gross, too. So Super the story gross. follows. Yeah. And uh, the story follows a group of people of weary survivors as they make their way through a hellish landscape where there's only one rule. Run or die so this is actually why we should all be you know keeping up our jogging maintaining our cardio Mm -hmm. watching our carbs all that good stuff so dead run it's available exclusively on amazon kindle it's only three bucks so it's worth a download dead run by mike maddox run or die run or die so that's dead run love it Love it. Sounds like a good read. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, so let's let's dive in. So we we're gonna talk castles, castles today, and mm-hmm. castles in the U.S., which is an extra kind of like, you know, uh, not 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 an insurmountable challenge, but we're not known as a country of castles. How did we land on this? Were we just kind of trying to find random places I to think focus you on? Suggested it. Because you're, you had an idea for your story, and you said it, and I was like, what the F? There's no castles in the United States. Like, so weird. And so then I started Googling. There's so many castles in the United yeah. States. And not only that, I found out there's one that's like six blocks from my parents' house. There was so, one when I was a kid in Florida that, this isn't my story, but there's one from when I was a kid in Florida that... I don't even know the name of it, but it was had classic castle vibes and had this such legend and lore connected to it. Tales of murder, uh, tax no. evasion and things like that. And 
I distinctly remember seeing this thing and remembering tales of it from when I was a kid, but not knowing the name of it. And I should probably do some research to dig in a little bit more. But yeah, it is weird. Like they're not all obviously they're not castles that are several, several hundred years old, but they're associated with wealth and eccentric uh, personalities and things of that. So, Mm -hmm. which I think is sort of what yours is, right? Yeah, mine was a castle that was built in 1900, so not all that crazy long ago. Um, But the crime that I'm talking about took place actually on site of the castle in 2015. So I got castle. Yeah, I got most of my information from a few really well written articles in the New York Times by a man, uh, Rick Royhas. It's on the Bannerman Castle in New York. Uh, not too far from New York City, up the Hudson. So in August of 2000, so we're starting a little bit back just to give you some background, a woman by the name of Angelica Graswald. She's 20 years old. She's from Latvia. uh, And she takes a job in Connecticut as a nanny. So she flies over, got a one-way ticket, um, just to kind of build her own American dream. A few months into nannying she realized it's not a fit for her not that I can blame her I was probably one of like the worst babysitters because I'm bad with kids um so instead she picked up kind of odd jobs here and there and that's when she met her first husband um married him within a few months didn't work out uh so in 2009 she went out to a bar and met a DJ and just decided to move in with him. Why not? Just, why not? Left her husband. Shock of shocks. After 18 months, didn't work out with this DJ. Uh, don't know if we saw that coming. Um, but then finally, in 2013, she met her new fiancé, Vincent Viafor. He's 44 years old, so 11 years her senior. Um, and they decide to move in weeks after meeting and got engaged months after meeting. So girl moves quick. Um, now we're at the time of the crime. They're still together. So they got together in 2013. It's now 2015. They're a happy, active couple. They go kayaking, they hike, they do a lot of stuff together. Um, And they decide to take a kayak up to the really gorgeous Bannerman Castle of New York. Uh, I found this castle doing Googling for this episode. It's on the Polapel Islands in Dutchess County of New York. Uh, It was built by Francis Bannerman in 1900. Um, It's now mainly ruins, but you can still go. Many kayakers go and kind of visit it. It was Angelica's favorite place in New York. Um, She was really into photography, so she would kayak up there a lot, um, take pictures. You can, if you Google her, you can like see her Instagram account and she has all these pictures of the property. Um, And it just was one of her like happy places. So she decides to take Vincent, who's never been, and they kayak up the Hudson um, to Bannerman. However, this is a true crime podcast, so you're probably like, Britt, this story sounds like it's kind of nice, this lovely couple. Well, 7.15, the weather gets super dicey. It's cold, it's rainy, and Vincent's kayak starts to sink. And it's 40 degrees 
outside and turns out neither of them were wearing a wetsuit or a life vest. So his kayak is sinking. He's not wearing a life or a life vest or a wetsuit. And at that temperature, your body starts to lose motor control um, at only 48 degrees. So it, this happened at 7.15. At 7.40, Angelica calls 911. And you can listen to this uh, 911 tape online. Um, she's telling the operator that her fiance has fallen in the water, that they need help. She's trying to get to him, but she can't. She keeps getting farther and farther away from the tide. Um, she tells the operator that her fiance has flipped over. Um, and then the operator asks, does he have a life vest on? And Angelica responds, yeah, he's got something he's holding on to. Okay, well, that's not true. Like, he, neither of them were wearing a life vest. And what are you holding on to, even if you're upside down? Well, so, I mean, I've, I've been in the water where, you know, you think you're a strong swimmer and you're not wearing the life vest. So then when you go in, maybe you're just gripping it. Maybe that's what she meant. I don't know. That That's yeah. where my mind would go if someone said, well, I'm holding on to it. But anyhow. True. But she was lying because they weren't wearing a life vest. Um, so the police come and they get her out, but they're not able to find Vincent or his boat despite searching. So what's then super disturbing to me is between the 19th when the incident happened and the 29th when she's interrogated by police, Angelica almost has like perfect Casey Anthony behavior. She goes out to a pub. She starts doing karaoke with this random couple. There's like a video of her singing Hotel California on karaoke. She posts a ton of selfies. She posts videos of herself doing cartwheels. Like stuff that just seems very inappropriate when your fiance's body has never been found. Um, but she told Rick Royas of the New York Times that that's just how she dealt with it. Uh, but obviously, like, Vincent's family is super uncomfortable with it because that's inappropriate. It's uncomfortable, but I, I'm going to just defend her a little bit. This is probably going to come back to bite me on the ass <laughs> when I find out about her. But people do deal with things in, in their own way. So I, I don't know. Who's to say what's inappropriate or not? But, yeah, I mean, like, if if you're in denial or you're shut down about whatever, maybe that's how you're going to deal with the this odd occurrence. All right. You, dis you well, disagree. I, well, I, I disagree because I know what happens. Oh. But I will say at this point in the story, I kind of agreed with you too. Like, we don't know what happened. So, and like I said, she had the police interrogation on April 29th. And it was 11 hours long. That's too long. That's to a be long in a talk. police interrogation. Yeah. So I, I was I like to keep mine too. an hour tops. Then <laughs> yes. I'm out of there. Like, I got places to go, guys. I got places to go. People I mean, there's many times where you and I have been on the phone, and I'm like, well, do you have anything else to talk about? Like, I got to go. <laughs> I'm I'm not the... Wait, between us, I'm not the overly chatty one where I want to... <laughs> I hate talking on the phone. True. That's true. But Well, anyhow. they have a long conversation. 11, 11 hours. hours. That's too long. And I was kind of on your side because... She also, we have to remember, is from Latvia. English is not her native tongue. So it kind of sets up for like an uncomfortable situation with police. Um, 
she paints Vincent really poorly in this interview. I feel sad. Vincent reminds me very much of a man I dated last year, like older, but like has a real zest for life, wants to be out, like is with someone younger because he lives a younger life. He just seemed like a happy dude. Um, However, she told police that he constantly demanded sex, was super controlling, frequently asked her to have threesomes that she was uncomfortable with. Um, and then straight up tells police, and you can watch this in the interrogation video. She says, I wanted him to die, but I didn't kill him. So, all right. And then she goes on to confess that he had two life insurance policies totaling $250,000. So that's when I was kind of like, "Mm, okay, like you knew that suspicious. Um, the interrogation video like shows the interview, but then it also shows where she's in the room by herself for a few hours. And during that time, she starts doing yoga, like Jodi Arias was doing yoga in her interrogation, which also is like, so weird. Um, but eventually at the end of this interview, she admits to tampering with his kayak, removing the drain plug that's at the front Um, and tampering with his paddle a few days prior to them going out kayaking. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just curious. Tampering with a paddle. It's it's what happened there. It's a pretty basic uh, device. It's just a long piece of wood with a flat end. So they had these, it looks like kind of like professional almost paddles. They were like metal. And then they had the center pipe connection. And it, they don't say exactly what it was, but it almost looked like she maybe tampered with, like, the handle's, like, center connector. I, I don't know kayaks, but that's what it looked like. Okay. So the interrogator, the police officer at the end, um, is, like, talking about how she feels and says to her, well, were you almost? And Angelica finishes his sentence by saying, I was euphoric with him being gone. Come on, girl. Like, you don't say that. I, I, even if that's how you feel. Like, that's not appropriate. So she's then arrested and charged with second-degree murder. And as she's being arrested, she says, I wanted him dead. Now he's gone and I'm okay with it. Yes. I mean, it's one thing to feel these things. It's not really something that you want to be broadcasting to the world. No. Uh, but. But yeah, it's perhaps not the wisest thing to say when you're in a police interrogation room, unless you're no. trying to be throw them off the scent by saying how much you're happy they're dead. But I'm not the one that did it. But anyhow. <laughs> well, on May 23rd, so this is now almost like a month later, Vincent's body is finally found after all this time. So a grand jury is able to indict her for both murder and manslaughter in the second degree. Um, and she's held in prison until July of 2017. So that's two years before she gets to court. Um, and she pleads guilty to a lesser charge of criminally negligent homicide. Of which she is sentenced for guess how long? Guess how long she's sentenced for? I'm guessing a short amount of time. Yes. One to four years. And she's already served two years waiting for this trial. 
So she was released December 21st of 2017. She only served two and a half years and she killed Vincent. Allegedly or whatever. Well, if she's, if you're, if you're convicted, you don't have to yeah, say, say allegedly, allegedly anymore, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't want to seem like I'm on her side, but, <laughs> but who knows what was happening with the, with that investigation? I, I would bet that her lawyer could probably play up the fact that if there was a language barrier, perhaps there was something there that they felt was, was not on the up and up with the investigation. I don't know. I I would have to look into this more, but. Well, no, you're exactly right. That is what the lawyer did. Oh, Um, the lawyer played up the language barrier that um, because she had only moved to America like 10 years prior she didn't really know laws. She wasn't really familiar. And actually they say like, you know, you've been read your Miranda rights. And she's like, who's Miranda? She doesn't even know what they're talking about. So the lawyer does play that up. But, and listen, you know me, I love me a black widow, but I don't know. I think it's because Vincent reminds me of someone I know that I feel like I'm more on his side but the fact that, like, the life insurance policy, I don't know. It seems fishy to me. But anyway. So, so this, just just to dot some I's, cross some T's, the life insurance policy, she was, it was in her name. She was going to receive. She would be the beneficiary. Beneficiary, yeah. Okay. Well. Well. What I found interesting is the comments of the New York Times article was filled up by like real kayakers. And they said that an open drain plug on the kayak of that kind couldn't capsize the kayak on its own. Which seems interesting. Did something else happen that we don't know of? Um, And Vincent's sister was quoted as saying, she definitely did something. Otherwise, she would have fought it. She still took an, a plea. An innocent person would not have taken a plea, which I I don't know how I feel about that. I think there's a lot of stuff in the justice, quote unquote, system that's unjust. So I don't know if I completely agree, but I, I get what the point she's trying to make. I would agree with your questionable agreement because, <laughs> yeah, because I there's a lot of reasons why people might take a plea deal but i would say it seems like there's more to this story mm-hmm. well now she lives in orange county new york so we could drive up and talk to her um she works for room and board at a camp run by her church and when her parole is over in a few years she's going back to Latvia. so that's well, the story i have a crazy coincidence with your story, which I will tell you about. I'm excited. After, after this sponsor message. <gasps> with bated breath. Is Brooklyn one of the most haunted places in America? I don't know. It's a it's worthwhile question. Something that I ponder frequently. Do you do you question yourself about that, Britt? Um, I I don't question it because I think it might be one of the most haunted places in America. Well, for the purposes of this ad, we'll say, yes, we wonder about it often. And in this podcast, this podcast, Nightmarica, the one you're listening to right now, is brought to you in part by Brooklyn's one and only mobile 
Ghost Tour, Madam Morbid's Trolley Tours, also happens to be the official haunted tour of Nightmarica. So, uh, Madam Morbid's, it's a Victorian-era funeral-inspired trolley. It's also a pretty great way to cruise around Brooklyn and learn all about its haunted history, some true crime, some legend. And they are currently off the road as we record this, still during a pandemic time. Currently off the road, they are social distancing, they are chasing ghosts, and they have gift cards available for when they reopen. So be sure to check out MadamMorbid.com or give them a follow at NYC to support your local ghost tour well our local ghost tour anyhow i don't know where you're listening to but but if you visit new york it'll be local to you and you can go on the ghost tour uh and be certain to hop on a ride with them when they're when they're back open and everything and brit because i asked that question of myself for the purposes of this ad and you occasionally ask it their answer is yes brooklyn is haunted and one of the most haunted places in america so i'm glad we cleared that up I can't wait. Actually, one of our Patreon listeners texted that they cannot wait to go on the Madame Morda, Madame Morbid tour when quarantine lifts. Well, good. Well, maybe we'll go with them. We should try yeah. to arrange that like a field trip. Oh my god! A, yes. a Nightmarica happy hour. Nightmarica is excited to announce we have a new sponsor, Manscaped, and to talk about the men's grooming kit, we have a really big fan of Manscaped, but not a man. A Sasquatch. From the Florida Everglades, let's welcome Skunk Ape to the show. Thanks for joining, Mr. Ape. Oh, Skunk is fine, just fine. That's uh, that's what my friends call me. Even though you're an elusive cryptid, you're able to have a social life? Oh, sure, sure. Wood booger, yeah, we mow, mow, wendigo, mow, galong. We all, we all hang out. Well, that's great. With all those friends, it's probably important to look your best. We take a lot of pride in how we look uh, in the Sasquatch community, especially a uh, since, uh, as you can imagine, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of us out there, so it gets pretty darn competitive getting attention from the lady squatches. So the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has a durable, skin-safe ceramic blade when you groom your, uh, squatchy regions. Don't you know it? That Lawnmower 3.0 holds an edge, so I'm less likely to nick my nugs. It's happened before, and it ain't pretty. There's blood everywhere. Everyone down in the glades heard me howl out that one time. Whoop whoop! That's what that's what it sounded like when I nicked my nugs, but not with this lawnmower 3.0. Dude, that's intense. I have certainly been there. It is no fun at all. Skunky, I imagine grooming down there probably takes a lot of time because you're a pretty big guy. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Big shoes? Big balls! Yep, right sizable. Sasquasticles. Big old ones. But with them lithium-ion batteries, I can charge that puppy up on the USB dock. I can use it for 90 minutes. It's even waterproof, so I can fire it up in the glades and take a good long time getting my squashticles right where they needs to be. Well, with that waterproof technology, that's got to be helpful in the glades. Or even for a human like me who uses the shower. Is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 getting you noticed down there? Only in the right ways. All the lady squatches, or, or men, no no judgment, they take notice. But I can still stay hidden, because with that quiet stroke technology, it does not make a lot of noise and attract unwanted looky-loos. And that's a very important part of the squatch code. You gotta stay undercover, you know? 
I can even groom up my squashticles in the middle of the night because it's got an LED light on it so you can see where your Patterson and Gimlin are. It's a memorable pair. And speaking of memorable pairs, you also like the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Well, you might have heard I have a bit of an odor issue, hence the nickname Skunky. And with the Florida humidity, uh, I can smell pretty darn ripe down there. So I use that Manscaped Ball Deodorant to, to make the squashicles smell fresh as a daisy and the ball toner to freshen up when skunk turns to funk. Maybe we should start calling you flowers instead of skunky. Well, skunky, if you or your Squatch Buddies or any listeners out there want to groom safely and who doesn't, Head over to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA for 20% off plus free shipping off your order. For one more time, that's... Squatchscaped. No, no it's not. It's Manscaped. Manscaped. The right tools for the job. So, the interesting coincidence with your tale is... We kind of plan out the locations each week, what what type of place we're going to build our story around. But Britt and I don't really trade too many notes about where we're going to be. We probably should, so we don't end up with the same story when we record. So that's maybe just poor planning on our part. But for this instance right now, it's a cool coincidence because my story also involves a main character from Latvia. Weird. Yeah, and it's just well, I mean, I know it's it's you know it's a country, so it's like okay, Latvia, but it's just not one that comes up a lot in no. you know when you're telling stories. So, so let's dive right in, shall we? Because this is about Coral Castle. Coral Castle. Well, it's not really technically a castle, but it is called by some the eighth wonder of the world. Well, by some. Uh, in search of called it that back in the 70s. Coral Castle, it's a strange structure in Florida, which is also the basically the nation's capital of strange and my birthplace, <laughs> Florida. So Coral Castle, it's this structure made of megalithic stones, which are also, they're essentially oolite limestone, which is fossilized coral. Just to give you background, each stone that that comprises this castle, each stone weighs several tons, upwards of thirty tons. They some of them are twenty five feet tall. There's more than eleven hundred tons of this coral rock in Coral Castle, and these stones, this castle is affixed together, is locked in a place without mortar. So this was a structure built in privacy, built in the dark of night, and possibly, possibly even using supernatural methods, and possibly using some of the same methods used by ancient Egyptians. But let's back up. Let's, let's learn about the man behind it. Consider, if you will, one Edward Leedskalnen, born in Eastern Europe. Ed was a diminutive figure of five foot tall and weighing only 100 pounds. But he possessed a big vision and a giant heart, a heart that was broken. You interrupted my Rod Serling narration. I was going all Rod Serling on that one. I'll just delete my portion. It's fine. (laughs) But uh, born in 1887, Edward Leedskalnen, he was born in Latvia, And when he was 26 years old, so around 1912, 
he became engaged to his one true love, Agnes Scuffs. Uh, spoiler alert, we'd later find out that may not actually have been her name. Agnes oh. was 10 years younger than Ed, so he affectionately referred to her as his sweet 16. Uh. It wasn't as creepy back... This is in the early 1900s. Times were a little bit different then. So, Agnes... So, they were engaged... And then Agnes canceled the wedding just one day before the ceremony. She called things off one day before the wedding. Why? Not cool, Agnes. Well, we don't know that part. But not cool, Agnes. That means it's like probably a lot of catering and stuff that would have had been canceled. So like a man lost, he set out. He immigrated to America. He explored California. He bounced around supposedly looking for this one perfect plot of land because ed was on a quest and he ended up in florida city which was a city is is a city known as the gateway to the florida keys and to the everglades so on this quest on a man a man on a mission he wanted to build a monument to his lost love and so 10 years after the breakup he finds himself in florida city and he begins his work so in 1923 he began the process of carving this stone, this coral, into this open-air shrine, into this castle. So again, as I mentioned, he worked only at night. And according to legend, he filled the cracks of these massive stone walls with smaller stones to prevent anyone from spying. And there were stories of people that would try to spy on him. And he was always apparently a friendly guy who would ride around town in this little bicycle didn't own a car and when people would try to pop up and spy he would wave and he'd be friendly but he would stop working if they were trying to capture any glimpse of him working and uh some people say that they saw him you know moving giant rocks seemingly with his mind anyhow so he built walls that were eight feet tall what's inside this castle what this castle that he built so there ended up being a two-story stone tower. That's where he lived. He did not have running water or electricity. However, he did Oof. have a bathtub that filled with water, and supposedly he would heat the water with uh, with the sun through like some sort of solar effect. On the top floor was his living quarters. The bottom floor was this storage area for his his tools for cutting, and he also had he made these tools on his own supposedly. He also had equipment for radio wave experiments, physics experiments, astronomy experiments, which is interesting. Make a note of that. According to visitflorida.com, also inside you'll see a 13-ton, 20-foot-long table surrounded by 10 chairs, which he carved into the shape of Florida. Ed also oh. made a stone sundial, which he used to tell time. He had a moon fountain and a sun couch. He had a grotto, a grotto of three bears, which was this children's play area. And he also had this area that had this stone lock, this, this wheel that would close off a portion of a garden because he was trying to prevent children from getting down there. There was a stone well from which he drew his water. And... Oh, and also, since Ed could, this was the testament to Agnes, he could never get over her. 
there was a throne room and inside this throne room i say was there still is there's this five ton rocking chair and next to it are smaller thrones for agnes a child and a mother-in-law and Aww. he built and i know he was like he was pining away for her to return i don't know how to feel about that like is it sweet or is it creepy well let's let's circle back on that we, we'll okay. talk about whether or not that is but there's a two and a half ton heart shaped table for them to sit at. And so what, but it keeps getting weirder. So he built all, he was building a lot of this stuff. After uh, about 13 years into this, he found out about a housing development that was moving near his property. It's around 1936. So he decided to move. You know, some people, they don't like the neighborhood they're in anymore, so they move. Well, how did Ed do this? It took him three years to do it, but mysteriously on his own, he relocated this structure 10 miles north to homestead florida and nobody saw him look they did see him moving parts of these of the castle along the road in a truck but they never saw him load it up or unload it whoa took him three years to do that on his own Jeez. what's what's weird is this was never a guy that had a profession there i've read something saying that he was born into a family of stonemasons but he also had a fourth grade education. He made money giving tours of the of the castle and selling pamphlets. At the time, he called it Rockgate Park. But he didn't he didn't really sell. He wasn't really a tradesman or craftsman that was that was using those skills. He was fascinated by astronomy and the celestial. He even built a thirty ton telescope, which stands twenty five feet tall and oh is focused on the North Star. How did that uh, he, little five foot man make a 25 foot tall thing? How did he make any of it? And he built a nine ton gate. This is, this gate is really, it was, it's something impressive. Nine ton gate that would move, that would swing with just a touch of a finger. And it, over the years, long after his death, it did die, it did break. And then they reconstruct, uh, reconstructed it and then it broke again and they haven't been able to fix it since. But some of the stones in the Coral Castle are taller than Stonehenge. Some of them, the heaviest stone is, uh, the one of the heavier stones in Coral Castle is still heavier than the heaviest stone in the Great Pyramid of Giza. Jeez. There's, there's stories that he had mastered some sort of magnetism, which I don't quite know how that works on stone, mastered some kind of magnetism that he had psychic powers, that he could manipulate earth, earth energies, that maybe he would even sing to the stones to make them move, that he unlocked Aww. some secrets of the ancient pyramids. He did, in fact, however, this this is this part is true. He did build an AC current generator. So he built a generator, the remains of which are still on display. So this is a man that was not an educated man. This... This one comes from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt because there's not a strong citation. But supposedly teenagers claim to have witnessed him moving blocks of coral like hydrogen balloons that supposedly he said he used a perpetual motion holder as a tool. Uh, there's this one story which I love. This comes from visitflorida.com. There's this one story that Ed pulled into a local quarry one night to buy several tons of coral. Now, his ground, the, the property he was on, was covered in this coral as well, in this, this oolite limestone. 
but the story pulled into a local quarry one night to buy several more tons of coral. When the foreman asked how he planned to load the coral into his old truck, Lead Skelnan asked the man to turn his back. A few minutes later, the foreman turned around and was astonished to see the coral was sitting in the truck, fully loaded. It's pretty cool. How? Live, I know, this is crazy. Live, live Science reported that there was a man named Orville Irwin who wrote a book called, he wrote this book in 1996 called Mr. Cant is Dead, The Story of the Coral Castle. Or, Orville Irwin was a friend of Ed. Ed wasn't was not a hermit. He was secretive, but he was not a hermit. And Orville was a building contractor with deep knowledge of construction techniques. And he actually says that uh, he tries to explain through photographs, drawings, and schematics how Coral Castle was was done. But it was still this feat of engineering, it, it, this this amazing feat of engineering. So in 1951, some 30 years after he was working on this, Ed put a sign on the, the front gate of Coral Castle going to the hospital. He took the bus to the hospital in Miami. And he suffered a stroke at some point, and he died 28 days later of Aww. a kidney infection at the age of 64. He always said that he was waiting for his sweet 16 to return and supposedly invited her, and she never came. When his property was investigated, they found the equivalent of $34,000. So he was squirreling away some money. Now, it's worth noting, Ed... He, he wrote a lot. He wrote, a, he had some pamphlets. He also had some probably controversial political takes about uh, boys and girls as far as they're being corrupted and things like that. And as a strong headed man, he believed that people who were not smarted, uh, people who were not smart or could not fend for themselves or were weak should not be allowed to vote. Oh boy. And he, uh, interestingly, in a a publication that he wrote a book in every home. He does actually say, this is interesting. He says his sweet 16 was more of an ideal than a reality. And she may not have even, that may not have even been her name. Agnes stuff may not have been her name. It could have been Hermine Lucius could have, oh. could be mispronouncing that, but within pop culture, this has been, this, this remains something of a, Engineering feat, a mystery within pop culture. Billy Idol's song "Sweet 16 is inspired by mm. Ed Leedskalnin's work. It was featured on the Leonard Nimoy show "In Search of," which is a great show. You can find some clips from the Coral Castle episode out there, and you can go visit it. This 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 castle, this structure. Monolith Park still exists. You can look up CoralCastle.com and learn more about it. But also you can go check it out, which is just amazing that nearly 100 years after yeah. after he began this construction, it continues to exist. So obviously he was a gifted man, obviously possessed some skills that exceeded men of his time and and I would say 
certainly something of an architectural genius, but was he creepy or not? So going through all this trouble to build a, a testament to the, the woman that left you, I don't know. Is that creepy? Is that crazy? Somewhat romantic. Kind of, well, but that's the thing. Like, that's what I'm weighing against because in my head, I'm also comparing it to the Don Cesar that we talked about also in Florida. And he built that hotel for his beloved but like that wasn't creepy but for some the... reason this guy strikes me as creepy well i think maybe on some level you're hung up on the 16 year old yes and him being 10 years older than her yes i mean that is is not something that is certainly something we would frown upon in 2020 reasonably so in the early 1900s it's not it wasn't that I mean, we're talking about what, you know, 19, 1913. That's not something yeah. that was as unheard of. And I don't know what the customs were like in Latvia at the time. I don't even know True. how he met her. Maybe it was an arranged marriage. I don't know. But could have been. But the Taj Mahal, wasn't the Taj Mahal even constructed as a uh, a tribute to a wife? I, th- I seem to remember a story about that. I didn't know that. that. I'm sure you're probably right. So maybe it's romantic and also kind of sad that even if it was an ideal, even if he stopped thinking of her as an actual reality, maybe this ideal of romance, of love coming his way, you know, that's that's something sweet and, and heartbreaking. Also, I probably should have gotten out there and dated a little bit. Yeah, right. Don't just stand there and like build the house and feel sad. Do something. Imagine it'd be kind of awkward, though, to bring a, a, a lady friend back to your coral castle, because it's on one hand, if you're like, yeah, you know, I'm an engineer, a state stonemason, I built my own house, all very cool. If he meets a lady at the local bar in in either Homestead, Florida, which is where it's currently located or in Florida City, you know, maybe she'd want to check that out. But I feel like you have to set up the fact that it's like totally. a coral castle especially without electricity or running water. And I don't know if he slept on a mattress or if he slept on the, like just a stone structure. Oh no. But here's the question. Would you rather go back to a, a man, well for you, a woman's coral castle that they built themselves or go back to like them having like a bunch of roommates in like a dirty cramped apartment? Oh, I, I would I... I would go to the Coral Castle any day, but even yeah. without the roommates. I mean, I'd be stoked to do it, but I imagine if you don't prov- if you don't do some sort of setup, you're going to look like a crazy person. You're probably going to look like a crazy person either way if someone comes back to your structure made of of totally. Of, yeah. I believe Have you been? A, a long time ago, it's definitely on my okay. revisit list. It's not on my bucket list, it's on my revisit list. I I recall though even down there in Florida where it gets quite hot and humid, I believe that even the way he constructed it, and I'm definitely talking out of school here. I don't know if this is supported by uh, by by facts, but if I recall correctly, he even constructed it so there'd be this natural airflow to essentially hmm. create a uh, a natural air conditioning. So that's, that's the guy was smart. The guy was smart. So. Yeah. It's just like right. you want to you want to maybe set up a little bit that it's a coral For castle sure. so it doesn't look like a murder castle. 
Yeah. Or like a sacrifice castle. Oh, and the other nifty thing is Coral Castle ended up being the site of a bunch of movie sets and an interesting uh, music videos as well, I believe. And that includes things such as uh, there was, these are great names. These are great, like movies from the fifties and sixties, the 1958 film, the wild women of Wongo, or it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was a dragon, a dragon God temple in that, in that flick. And then there was nude on the moon. Ooh. Yeah. And so this was where some lunar scenes were set. And Jimmy the Boy Wonder was a children's musical. I'm not really familiar with that one. Uh-uh. But Ancient Aliens has talked about it. Yeah. So it's been, it's definitely something that continues to exist within sort of the the community of weird as a as a fun, fun talking point. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a trip down there. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait to Google it. Yeah. So... And then check out all the other weird stuff of the Everglades and the Keys and everything while you're down there. So, yeah. well, before we book, oh, we got to talk about paranormal pop culture and, and yeah. what we're into this week. What are you checking out? Um, so this week I've been watching the Netflix series Trial by Media. Um, in true, true crime fashion, it shows kind of how the news media impacted major cases. So the first story is the Jenny Jones show murder, which is a tragic story. Um, then the second is Bernard Getz, the subway vigilante in New York. Um, and then the third episode, which I just watched, which is so powerful, um, is, uh, called 41 Shots, which is the murder of Amadou Diallo in was he in the Bronx, I think? Um, but it's it's a really incredible show, and especially episode three, I think, is really a good one for everyone to kind of take in. That's uh, that's heavy. Yeah. That's heavy. It's the... heavy, but really well done. Oh, sure. And and I'm sure insightful and necessary. I, I went in a different direction. I've been <laughs> thinking about the Twilight Zone a lot and revisiting the Twilight Zone. But I also, I, I did, there's a website called denofgeek.com. And I did a video and breakdown of sort of the best alien episodes of the oh. Twilight Zone. But that sent me down a path of checking out this Amazon Prime movie called The Vast of Night. It's a new release on Amazon Prime, or new as as we are recording this. And it it kind of channels both the Twilight Zone and in fact it's it's a set, it's framed by this paradox theater is sort of the setup to the actual movie, which is very uh you know, it's an homage to the Twilight Zone and there's a lot of homages in there to the War of the Worlds. But it's sort of this sci-fi movie set in the 1950s involving potential extraterrestrials and uh, sort of young teenagers or young people on the case to explore these strange lights over over a small town. And it, it feels like something that... It feels like one of those movies that 
is almost Spielbergian in nature mm. and also taps into that Stranger Things vibe, both nostalgic and a little bit eerie and romantic and just th that really kind of fun science fiction that I like. And it does involve UFOs. And, and, and I think even fans out there who are into ufology and into stories like Roswell, I think you'll see some definite nods to those stories in The Vast of Night. So The Vast of Night, Amazon Prime, check it out. It is available now. Cool. I will. I'll watch it. So there we have it. So. We've reached we've reached the end of Castles of Curiosity and Killing and Creepy Castles. What other words? The Curse of the Castle. The Curse of the Castles of that are curious and perhaps might kill you creepily. <gasps> Absolutely. Um, so, all right. Well, before we wrap up really quick, I also want to say thank you for uh, our newest Patreon subscriber, Jessica. Um, the Patreon is where you guys can all go and get exclusive content. And at the first of the month is where it bills through everybody. So thank you is our first episode in this new month to all of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody out there, stay safe, stay weird. If you like Nightmerica, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Nightmerica and consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on social media and share this with your friends. And if you'd like to share your paranormal stories or even seek paranormal advice, which is for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.